This is the Teachable Soul Podcast. Because we cannot possibly live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves, let's take a few moments to learn from the mistakes of others. The Teachable Soul Podcast, where guests and listeners like you share stories of failure and teachable moments on the journey to success. Here's your host, Kat Daniels. Welcome to the Teachable Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Daniels, and today is my first solo episode. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know I did not post a um, a new episode last week because I did not want to flood the airways or, or bulk up the airways with anything that I had to say, basically. All of my episodes are pre-recorded, um, and I didn't really have one that um, was advantageous that week, I felt. So I didn't post one. Um, however, I'm posting a solo episode now because I just, I really, I just want to talk about it, I guess. Um, I have feelings about George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I believe that they're important. I believe that everyone's feelings are valid, honestly. Um, no matter where you stand, you have your feelings, Sometimes we can't control our feelings. Um, There are people who are angry and have valid reasons for being angry. There are people who stand on the all lives matter, you know, side of things. And they're not wrong. All lives matter. Um, But the fact of the matter is that all lives cannot matter in the U.S. or anywhere that's having racial issues until Black Lives Matter too. And that's why I believe that the Black Lives Matter movement is important. Um... For anyone who stands on the looting isn't going to solve anything uh, platform, you're right. It's not. Your feelings are valid. Um, But the fact of the matter is looting still costs less to fix um, and is easier even to fix or uh, bring back than someone's life. That's where I stand, honestly. So um, I also feel that looting um, and rioting and anger, things like that, Um, are things that happen when people feel like they have not been heard or listened to and they've just been pushed under the rug or pushed aside for so long. Um, You know, people, I've heard it likened to the Boston Tea Party. Um, You know, they, they threw tea in the ocean because they were mad and they felt like they were not being heard and they were not wrong. They were not being heard. And then they were heard because they got mad and they got louder Um, so in my opinion, this is just what happens when you feel unheard, they get louder. They got to figure out a way to get louder. So that's where I stand on the topic. Not that it matters really. Um, but I believe that we're all teachable souls. Um, of course, that's why one of the reasons why I named this podcast, the teachable soul. Um, we all have things to learn. We all need to keep an open mind and seek out more information Um, in trying to do a little bit of research for this episode, um, I got conflicting statistics and numbers, so I'm not going to repeat them because I don't know where, I don't know if, um, the sources that I was getting on Google are viable sources. Um, none of them were from like the New York times or anything like that. Um, that we have deemed in America to be a viable source, I guess. Um, So I don't know where the statistics lie on this. I know that Black Lives Matter too 
Um, I know that the mayor of D.C. stands so much behind that fact that she allowed artists to come in and paint the entire street leading up to the D.C. or leading up to the White House with the words Black Lives Matter. Um, And I believe that that was the right thing to do. I believe that people do not feel heard during this time or, or feel like they have not been heard in the past. And now they're trying to be louder so that they're heard because they haven't been being heard. Um, I believe that corruption exists. I believe that um, fear-based training exists in America and that that's something that we should fix that could potentially help to solve some of these issues that we're having right now. Um, I grew up in a town, a smallish town in Kansas, where even as a child... I was able to see and point out um, corruption where it happened. And that is not an exaggeration. It was so blatant um, that I, as a child who didn't really understand 100% the, the, the inner workings of adulthood yet, could point out that things were wrong and things were being done that were wrong. Um, and <laughs> even if I talk to some of the people that... Um, live there now currently or have since moved out of that town, um, they can, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, so, I mean, all of our stories are corroborated. I, I, I thought for a moment that maybe I was wrong and I didn't see the corruption or maybe I misunderstood. Um, but since talking to other people into adulthood who are from there and 1000% agreeing with me, um, I realized that maybe I wasn't as misinformed as I thought at the time. When I told my husband um, some of the corruption that went on in my childhood in that town, uh, he genuinely didn't believe me at the time. He was like, no, that's not possible. That doesn't happen anymore. That's not a real thing. Um, But has since come to terms with the fact of the matter is corruption is hard to spot because people are working so hard around the corruption to cover it up. And people who are close to the corruption are working to cover it up. And it is hard to spot because they make it hard to spot. That's kind of the point of corruption. So there's that. Take it for what you will. Um, Fear-based training is happening uh, whenever we are in school. And they're teaching us sex education. The only education I ever got was not to do it, basically. And if you did do it, these are the horrible, horrible things that can happen to you if you do. You're going to get an STD or you're going to get pregnant and have to choose between abortion, adoption, or keeping it, um, which is a horrible, horrible thing. Um, And, you know, depending on where you lived, adoption or not adoption, um, abortion, you know, was taught to you that it's a horrible, horrible thing that should never, ever happen or... um, you know, we weren't taught where to go (laughs) or what resources we had. If we got, I wasn't anyways. Um, I certainly wasn't. I did get pregnant, uh, at 17 and, um, abortion was not an option in my family in general. Um, partially due to my mother's experiences and how she felt about abortion, which wasn't really an issue for me just because, um, I personally couldn't, couldn't handle in my heart at the time, even attempting or, or thinking about that. Um, so for me, it didn't work out, but I do have a very dear friend, um, 
that abortion was an option for her at the time that she got pregnant when we were in high school. And um, I genuinely at the time judged her for it. Um, But I don't now because that's what worked for her. And um, I hope that she doesn't have any regret or um, sadness around that. And I hope that she gives herself grace in that area. I know um, my mom, when she um, had abortions when she was young, she was very remorseful and regretful um, about it, which is understandable. Um, But especially going into adulthood, I think it it got harder and harder and harder for her to uh, deal with or handle. Um, But she also, you know, lived in a time where she wasn't given many resources either um, (laughs) about counseling afterwards or during or before, um, you know, where we were, we were all very much grown up in fear-based training. Um, and I believe that police officers are still trained in fear-based training. I know that, um, my husband who is not a, a military police by any stretch of the imagination, but he is in the military was definitely trained, um, with fear, 100%. And, you know, rules have changed now, of course, but he was still, I can still definitely without a doubt say that he was trained with fear-based training. I can say that a lot of military in basic training are still, um, they're still using fear-based training as a tactic. Um, I don't know for sure, not being someone in the military myself, I don't know for sure how many de-escalation tactics are taught to them. I don't know if they're taught to them. I don't know. Um, I don't know if police are taught de-escalation tactics. Um, I hope that they're being taught that, but I'm pretty sure they're not in my opinion. That is just my opinion. But I think that if they were taught de-escalation tactics and not just fear-based training, then there would be a lot, um, a lot more differences than there currently are. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the internal work um, to fight systemic racism that we need to do. I did not know before moving to the Baltimore, Maryland area, um, that a lot of the neighborhoods that exist still today exist in the way that they exist because of, um, segregation and the way that the neighborhoods were built so far, like back ago. Um, you know, we still have the fact that we can still say that we have black schools, like we can actually like just, say that like it's a normal, regular thing, should tip people off that there is a problem. Um, black neighborhoods, black schools, the fact that those are still things is is kind of an issue. Um, and, you know, uh, Trevor Noah came out um, and said on, he works, I don't know if you don't know who he is, he uh, is the host of The Daily Show now, and he's from South Africa. And... He came out and said that in the past three years that he's been here in America, he's been stopped maybe, I think it's between five and seven times. I don't know the exact number. Um, But I can say that I have only been stopped one time in the past 12 years. That's a long time. Um, Mind you, two of those years was spent in South Korea. But even if you say I was stopped one time in the past 10 years, um, and it was because I was genuinely speeding and doing something wrong, and then I was let off with a a ticket or, or without a ticket. I was let off with a warning. Sorry. Um, that's, 
sad. And it's even sadder to me to think that some people are stopped just more than once a year, honestly. Um, I think once a year would be an acceptable range, maybe, for everybody, if that's even a possibility. But still, the fact that people are being stopped and being harassed during the stop, and what I mean by being harassed during the stop is that they're being asked to get out of their car for no reason. Like, what is that? Come on. Um, so yeah, if you don't know that racism is happening or if you think that racism is not happening, it's probably just because you honestly are white. Um, if you've ever seen that video where they have everybody, like a bunch of college kids, I think it is, stand up in a line and they're, you know, they, they're, they're going to race quote unquote is what they, they present to them. And so they all stand in a line waiting to race and they're like, all right, take a step forward. If you had both parents in the home your whole life and take a step forward, if you were given a car at the age of 16 and take a step forward, if you were able to get a job, um, or you didn't have to get a job before the age of 18, Take a step forward if this, that, and the other thing. They, they list off a bunch of different things. But basically what winds up happening at the end of it is that there are people who are given more opportunities in life than others. And so it is a very wonderful visual representation of the opportunities that some were given and the steps forward that they were able to take before other people. If you live in Baltimore... There's a chance that you live, if you're black and you live in Baltimore, there's a chance that you live in a neighborhood where the nearest grocery store is an hour's walk away. And there's a chance that you don't have the ability to afford a car. At best, you can take a bus to this grocery store and either work there or get better food than the corner store near your house can provide because it's just a corner store and not very many options to begin with. But these are things that I would not have been able to know if I did not move to Baltimore or the area, the Maryland area. I've never lived in Baltimore, sorry. But if I did not move to Maryland, period, I would never have known that. I would never have known that that existed. I would never have known that the the streets and the neighborhoods in Baltimore, <clears throat> sorry, that the streets and the neighborhoods in Baltimore were built during the time of segregation, and therefore still are segregated. So I can understand how a lot of people still think that this isn't an issue because they've never experienced anything like that themselves. I get it. But we all need to keep an open mind, and we all need to create safe spaces for people to tell us their experiences. And if somebody says to you, Black Lives Matter, ask more questions so that you can better educate yourself. And don't come back with, yeah, well, all lives matter. And don't come back with, well, looting is bad. And so you're breaking the law. You shouldn't do that. This is just try to understand that this is what happens when people are sick of not being heard and are sick of being pushed aside and their issues not being validated. They genuinely have valid issues and valid points. But this is what happens when they're ignored completely for so long. Okay. I implore everyone to just keep an open mind, continue to have conversations, even if they're uncomfortable, ask clarifying questions, communicate with one another, and validate each other's feelings. Um, 
as teachable souls, we all still have a lot to learn. Um, and the last thing I want to say is that we can all fix this and do something right now to make changes in our country. There's a website right now that's called 8cantwait.org that I implore you all to go check out. Um, if you want to help make changes or if you think that possibly even simply something could change within police forces as something as simple as teaching more um, tactics, de-escalation uh, de tactics, if you think that that's something that could potentially help anybody, regardless of their race, in tense situations with police officers, you can call your state representative's office and say, hey, I think that we should require all police officers to receive de-escalation tactic training. If you think that banning chokeholds or strangleholds is something that could potentially help all human beings in tense situations with police officers, that's something that you can call your state representative's office, guys. It just takes a phone call. It's not that hard. And your state representative, if they get enough phone calls about these certain um, laws that we think should be in place, they have to create a document that then goes through a process to be put on a voting ballot so that the majority of the state can vote it into place and pass it. All lives matter. Black lives matter too. And all of these things that that are on this website um, require de-escalation, duty to intervene, require warning before shooting, requires exhausted, exhausting all alternatives before shooting, ban shooting at moving vehicles, require use of force continuum, require comprehensive reporting, or even just to require all um, use of force to be reported. All of these things are things that can help all human beings and that should probably have already been put in place anyway. I stand with those who are on the Black Lives Matter movement because all lives matter. They do. And that includes black lives. I love you all. And I hope that you will all continue to be teachable souls. And I hope that you will call your state senator or representative's office and talk to them and ask them to put these things in place. Again, that website will be in the description below. You can click on it called 8cantwait.org. And I'm looking forward to the next two weeks episodes because, um, by the way, it's going to be surrounding Father's Day. Um, I have two episodes where one, I speak with Drexel Deal, who wrote a book called The Fight of My Life is Wrapped Up in My Father. He is from the Bahamas. Um, his book is phenomenal. If you get a chance to check it out between now and then, I highly suggest it. Um, he has an amazing story, and he has written the book where he tells his story and even other people's story, but he actually um, he um, backs it up with a bunch of research and, and data and statistics and numbers as well um, that I find highly interesting personally. And then the one after that will be um, with a PhD, a, a, a gentleman who has a PhD. And uh, he and I talk a lot about um, family dynamics and, and father fathering um, and, and just parents and kids and things of that nature. So um, because I lost my dad 
last year. This is my first Father's Day where I'm only going to have my father-in-law to celebrate with. Um, and I'm hoping to kind of make it all about fathers because I know how important they are to society. So I love you all. And um, I hope to help you guys. And, you know, if you guys have any comments or anything, you can go find me on Instagram or Facebook or email me at theteachablesoul at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me at the Suck It podcast with Derek. And we kind of talk about some things and add some humor to things. And uh, it's definitely the opposite of this. <laughs> but I love you all again. Thank you for listening. And uh, you'll hear me soon.